you know, today I wanted to speak about, you know, how hyper-individualism is really at the root of, of the crisis, you know, which we are noticing, you know, environmental, but also many other, you know, very great conflicts, you know, which are erupting and have erupted. And, uh, you know, remembering our ancestors and how they have been working their way up, you know, from the Big Bang, we can say, you know, and when the um, planet started to form out of stardust about over 4 billion years ago, you know, that's our true ancestry. And this, you know, vast intelligence which has been enabling this process to come to the place where we are now today, that is just like an amazing backdrop, you know, to our lives, which we usually are not considering. And I think in times where there is so much destabilization going on and so much um, uncertainty, I find it very helpful, you know, to open up the view and take in the big picture and, and make it like a, a practice, you know, to train the mind to come back to the big picture and not getting completely lost, you know, in our small picture. Even, you know, we need to look at both. We need to hold it both in balance. But when there is like a tendency of obsession, like what Quilly was mentioning before, then if we can like zoom out and also take in the big picture, it can really help us to um, have a sense of perspective and equanimity, upeka, how it's called you know, in the Pali language. You know, on, on the one hand, it can help us to become aware of the hyper-individualism in our Western cultures in particular. And on the other hand, you know, it is the start of decentering, you know, our species as the most important species in this huge process, which we have been, you know, which we have been assuming for a very long time. And now we are starting to notice this is actually not really possible because we as a species we can't really live independently from all other species we are in constant exchange and we need to learn to team play and there is also you know movement going on where entities such as rivers and mountains are given you know recognition as persons as team players who have a lot of wisdom to share with us. And so this over-focusing on our individual experience has resulted in us, you know, losing touch with the ecosystem and the social systems we are part of. And that leads, you know, to a lot of loneliness and isolation. And then out of that comes also overconsumption. And, you know, in order to kind of deal with the loneliness and the disembodiment, there is then a lot of kind of stuffing, you know, into and shopping and shoring ourselves up 
And then that you know, can only happen if there is extraction happening from the planet. So it's kind of instead of reflecting and training ourselves to sense our deep embeddedness, we just like eat it all up, you know, and that cannot be sustained. We need to, you know, wean ourselves off from that rather immature approach of feeling part of something and, and train our capacity for sensing our deep embeddedness, which has always been here. But because we weren't paying attention to it and we were paying attention to other things, we have lost the natural knowing, you know. And some of the indigenous cultures, they have still preserved that. But we have lost it, but it's we can retrieve it. It's just a skill. It's it's a capacity we need to train. And you know, the same if you have been not driving a car like for 50 years, you know, and you sit, you start driving again, it will take some time to bring back that skill. But it, deep down, you know, it's there. And I think that's the same what we need to do, this deep knowing, you know, that we are part of this planet, that we are part of this process. It is there in our bodies, but we need to reconnect to it and we need to sharpen our capacity for recognizing it. And I think a few weeks ago I spoke about the, you know, seven factors of awakening, which are seven qualities of the mind, which get trained, you know, through the Buddhist practice and sensitizes our minds to see that which is usually hidden, you know, from view because our minds are too distracted. So, you know, we, we really want to open up that isolation and disconnection, open it up again by training ourselves to sense our deep-rootedness in the earth, who is like a self-regulating process of a very vast intelligence which we can't really fathom with our individualistic minds. But we can re-establish that contact. And, you know, it's the same force which puts the stars in motion. And it's also moving through us. So it's like actually amazing, you know, if we think that we can connect with that same force by tuning into our own bodies. And, you know, and through that, we can connect with the grace and guidance which this process has to offer to us. If we are paying attention, if we are tuning to it, then it gives us an access, you know, to a much deeper ecosystemic awareness which is needed now you know for us in order to balance out this hyper individualism which is the root cause of the climate crisis and of all crises really but now you know because of how many people are living on this planet it has such huge implications and we have you know we have really hit the limit of what the biosphere can support. 
So, you know, these guided meditations which we are doing, they are designed exactly for that, you know, to train this very subtle capacity to recognize our deep embeddedness, to sense it with the whole body, or to quote unquote, you know, intuitively see it with the whole body. And, and then, you know, that opens up slowly. It, it's a capacity which, you know, we need to consistently train. And we can't really force it to come into being. But if we come back to it over and over again, it's going to become available. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, when I go out into the forest, I have a little loop walk here. I notice, you know, the forest has a little bit more depth to it. There's a certain dimension opening up, which wasn't there available for me before because my mind wasn't trained in that way. Or sometimes I go outside and sit in the yard and look at the tree there. And I, I can see, you know, there is a, a kind of a more depth to my capacity to be with the tree. And, you know, and I really trust that this is the way how we can, you know, we can reach out towards that intelligence in the same way as that intelligence reaches out to us. It's like a call and response, you know. And it can only be really experienced individually, but these meditations, you know, can give us a bit of a guidance how to fine-tune our own bodies and minds so that we can establish, or let's say re-establish, re-establish that rapport. So, you know, let's, let's find a posture which we can sustain for 35 minutes or so. And, you know, sensing the weight of the body on the cushion, on the chair. And allowing your breath to take you into the body. And at the same time, you know, also noticing that we are here together, you know, as a as a group, we are vessels and we are also together forming a vessel.
So in a way, you know, with our own awareness, we are contributing to the space here. By really listening, you know, with our full being. And, you know, and sensing what happens in our being. Our bodies, our minds, our hearts. And we don't have to work hard. Just allowing the nervous system to guide us. And building our capacity to connect with that which is already always happening. Happening since deep time. And through that, through that interest, you know, which we are showing, making ourselves available for that guidance and the grace of that intelligence, you know, to become available to us. Not through uh, thinking about it, but through opening to it. And decentering ourselves, but more, you know, attuning. And recognizing it at this time in the history of this planet, there is a is a shift undergoing. Where more and more of our species, you know, starting to recognize that we need to decenter ourselves. We need to recognize that we are part of the planet and that our bodies are the planet itself. Because of that fact, we can become part of the solution. And it's a very rocky process because we are part of the problem and we can be part of the solution that kind of is difficult to hold at you know both at once both facts at once but that's the situation that's just the truth so if we you know learn to hold both at the same time we are just connecting with that which is already true and happening and trusting you know that this dichotomy will work itself out if we don't turn away from it.
but holding steady and you know doing this together because it's it's much too vast to do that on one's own and just trusting that there is a much vaster intelligence operating and we, we can serve that intelligence by opening to it. Just, you know, breathing in and breathing out whenever there is like a sense of trepidation in the body, you know. It's such a time where there's so much uncertainty which can easily, you know, erupt into aggression. And we can see that happening already. Polarization, all of this very you know, negative energies. And just allowing that to also be there because this is one way how that can manifest. Needs a lot of practice, you know, to be able to breathe through that. It's a growth process and there's always a tension with growth. widening and deepening there is some tension there and that is not comfortable just learning to tolerate that discomfort and you know almost like welcoming it as part of the process Just simply, you know, recognizing we can't know everything, but we can come back to being part of that process which is guided by a vast intelligence. We can come back to that. As we are in part, you know, as we are in touch with the body sense, we can also you know, direct our awareness to go deeper into the, the ground beneath the body, beneath the place where you're sitting, and allowing the awareness to drop down without forcing it in any way. You know, breathing up that presence of the planet into the body and letting go of any tension with the out-breath and just letting it drop down. And this way, you know, grounding ourselves 
and just sensing the soil underneath us. You know, which has given birth to this body, which sustains the body through food, drink, breathing, oxygen, which is provided by the plant life of this planet. And you're just, you know, seeing that process of being a body with new eyes. I was not, you know, really paying attention to that like even 10 years ago. So there's obviously a evolutionary process going on, you know, which brings us into a different relationship with planet Earth. And also, you know, noticing the, the gravity which gently shows us where we come from and where we need to work, where our home is, as long as we are in these human bodies. And this is all very subtle information, you know, which we usually don't really take in. But now the time has come, you know, to train ourselves to be available for that information. And then noticing that there's a long lineage of ancestors that connects us to the development of this planet with all its myriad species, which have come and gone over the years. And of which we are the, the youngest species. So we are the, you know, the youngest sibling of all species living right now. And that means, you know, there's an immaturity there. 
which we need to allow to be recognized. Even it might be embarrassing, you know, because we have been thinking we are the, we can be the masters of nature. And now we start to recognize, no, that is not possible. And it's, it's not too late, you know, to recognize this. So just allowing that to really sink in the system, the body, the mind, the heart, who we really are in context when we don't separate ourselves out as being special. And then we have this, you know, very ancient teaching from the Buddha, you know, which has all of the tools, you know, to work with the mind and make it pliable and make it sensitive enough so that it can recognize that which is usually hidden or which has been hidden for a long time. So an opening up to that wider context so that our perception of who we are can adjust and grow, become more real. It's like you know, leaving a, a small box and stepping outside of that box into a much bigger box. Until that box becomes small again, then we step out again. It's a, it's a constant growth. And while that growth happens, you know, the ego becomes less and less solid. It you know starts to melt really until full liberation. And that you know, can bring up great joy at times and ease and at other times fear and contraction. 
is, you know, unprocessed trauma is triggered. And it's all part of the process and that's why we need to do it together. Breathing in and feeling, sensing how the body is and relaxing with the out-breath. Just, you know, allowing that data flow which we can connect with by dropping down into the planet. Allowing that to just be what it is, not pinning it down, not sinking up on top of it, but just holding it, holding steady. And, you know, trusting that stretching, that internal stretching exercise that is. <sighs> It kind of reminds me, maybe you have seen those cars in the Bay Area, they're called Rotorooter. If your toilet or something is stuffed up, you know, they come and they clear out of all of your lines into the bigger system and, and they have these brushes and all kinds of things that do that with. And I think that's how it can feel internally, you know. That's how it feels, you know, when the ego is decentered. It it feels unstable. But then at the same time, there's also a certain kind of, you know, landing, a deeper landing happening as, as the resistances are slowly, you know, dropping away. And with that, I mean, you know, like the, the fear of the fear or the fear of the discomfort is that drops away, there's a, a more fuller landing in who we are. If we don't hold back,
then with the in press, you know, breathing in the strength and the stability of the earth underneath us. And with the out breath, you know, letting go of the tension and the reputation. the nervous energy. just allowing the data flow of that entire field you know to do its work on us stretching us stretching the mind with its you know perceptions and views and assumptions to just allow all of that to be worked through, to be metabolized and to be adjusted into something which is more real. This whole network through which we are, it can be informed. Literally, you know, it, it becomes part of our form if we can make space for that. Even it's uncomfortable because there's basically new pathways uh, Establishing themselves or old pathways are kind of cleared out. That way it feels as it does. And as we're allowing that to happen, you know, as we are tuning in with that data flow, 
there is some discomfort, but also notice how you feel in your grounding, you know, as a as a human being at this time, if you allow that to happen. So as we are, you know, experiencing ourselves as, as a part of a much wider context. So noticing, you know, that every former generation is the ground for the next generation. And as we are, you know, are the ground for the those who come after us. And standing on the shoulders of those who were before us. and how much we have received. And now we are recognizing that and at the same time, you are making ourselves available to younger generations. We are being really willing to do this work. The decentering the species. Uh, starting with ourselves. Emptying ourselves of these old assumptions. And you know, being, being okay with the discomfort that is part of the process. saying yes to that.
I want to share with you a quote by a woman called Aubrey Marcus. And she says, we are Earth's spare parts. You are comprised of 84 minerals, 23 elements, and 8 gallons of water spread across 38 trillion cells. You have been built up from nothing but the spare parts of the Earth you have consumed. According to a set of instructions hidden in a double helix and small enough to be carried by a sperm, you are recycled butterflies, plants, rocks, streams, firewood, wolf fur, and shark teeth, broken down to their smallest parts and rebuilt into our planet's most complex living thing. You are not living on Earth. You are Earth. You are not living on Earth. You are Earth. So it's a beautiful way, you know, of putting it all together. That truth, you know, which is now dawning on us as a species on this threshold, we are standing towards finding ways, you know, to live more sustainably and to regenerate this planet. We have our work cut out, you know, it's all already clear what needs to be done, but we need to have the impetus, we need to have the wisdom and the clarity to know how to do it. And by connecting with this intelligence, we can become more clear what our individual contribution can be. You know, and for the last few minutes, I'd like to invite, you know, the blessings of our ancestors to come in. The ancestors, you know, of the Buddhist lineage, which have been giving us this powerful teaching over the centuries, been passed down until today. And also the blessings of our mineral, plant, animal, and human ancestors, on whose shoulders we are standing right now, today, you know, as we are practicing together. You know, knowing this is a long process, like, you know, building a cathedral, it's not going to happen in one lifetime. But we can, you know, make our contribution. And we already have started, you know, by practicing together and taking interest in those questions. That is a very good way to start. 
to connect with the intelligence and to decenter our own and making space you know, to be informed and then to embody that in our lives. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.